know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, broadcasting live on WBSM and also on Fate Radio. If you're listening to the show on the radio and you want to see what's going on in the Spooky Studio, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com and click on the link there. and It'll bring you to FateMag.com slash Fate Radio. And that's where you can see the show. You can see kind of the break down that wall between the radio audience and the the radio studio. And you can see what's going on in here. And let me tell you, it's fascinating because I'm wearing my dress sweatpants today. Uh, Moniz is wearing a Surrender the Booty Freeport Bahamas t-shirt, which I'm pretty sure he's never been to the Bahamas, so that means... Actually, I have. Have you? Oh, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, that means somebody brought that back for him. Uh, but uh, and we also have uh, Matt wearing his usual sweatshirt and jinx hat combo. If he, there he goes. So, anyway, fascinating stuff for those of you who are only listening on the radio. But uh, we have a great show planned for you tonight. In honor of the Labor Day holiday, we're going to be talking with Marla Brooks, uh, Marla is a radio show host like us. She has her own program called Stirring the Cauldron, and uh, she's also a witch. So we're going to find out more about that because we haven't had very many witches on the program. We've had a few uh, rhymes with witches on the program, but uh, we've, <laughs> we've never had any witches on the program. So, And we're going to talk to her about her new book, uh, <laughs> Workplace Spells, because, you know, it's Labor Day and, you know, in honor of the American worker. We want to find out how you can use magic to make your work life easier, and I want to find out how to use magic to make some of my coworkers work life hell. So we'll talk with her in just a few minutes. And, of course, if you want to join in the program, you can do so in a variety of ways. You can call us anytime during the show, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. You can email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. Or you can go to the fatemag.com slash fate radio site. It's also, like I said, linked up right on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com. And you can join in the live chat during the show. And we've got a bunch of people in there chatting right now. I want to say hello to everybody in the chat room, including our content director, Hilly, I mean, Chris Balzano, who is in there uh, each and every week. So now with Labor Day, you know, Matt and I, Matt Koss and I in our day job, we end up having to work. You know, way more than we should have to already. And we have to work the Labor Day holiday in our day job. Matt Moniz over here, he gets Labor Day off and he gets a hurricane day on Friday because, you know, we had that devastating hurricane, Hurricane Earl, that blew through last night. So m- must be nice. I enjoy it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but you do get to uh, appreciate the Labor Day holiday and you get to enjoy it for what it was meant for. And, uh, I, I suppose, you know, we need to have a day for the American worker, but I, I thought we called those Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, most cases, right? But uh, but if you have Labor Day plans that include anything paranormal, you know, hopefully it's a good chance for you to get out and, and do some investigation because you don't have to get up early on Monday morning. You know, you can let us know what goes down. Email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Also, 
we, we talked about this a little bit last week, uh, a few weeks ago on the show, but this is also the day of the Exeter UFO conference. And I know you were going to go up there, Matt. I was planning, yeah. yeah. But the storm kind of threw some... Yeah, threw a monkey wrench into things. Have you heard from anybody that was there today? Yes, I heard from Star Wars Support Twins. Uh, they relayed message back to me uh, via, from um, from Peter Robbins, and um, they said that everything was going all right up there. They were, they were dealing with the remnants of what we had last night up there. Mm-hmm. And they think they got it a little bit, a little bit harder than we did. Uh, Probably a little bit more wind and stuff yeah. than what we got, but you know, Kathy Martin also sends her regards. She said, uh, you know, she appreciated being on the show and stuff like that. So a lot of people uh, send their regards. So, well, uh, we can also uh, promise you that you know next year there hopefully will not be a hurricane. Maybe we can get up there and actually broadcast from Exeter for the night. And, uh, you know, because the stuff goes on during the day, and things are pretty much wrapped up by the time we go on the air. Yeah. So we could just grab everybody and some beers and put on one hell of a show. So we'll we'll do our best to try and make sure that we can do that next year, because i got a feeling this is going to be, you know, uh, many, many years of, of this UFO conference. Well, in the brief conversations I had, it looked like there was a very good turnout, and it may wind up being a regular thing, yeah. Beautiful. All right, well, why don't we take a break, and during that break, we'll get our guest Marla Brooks on the phone. We'll talk about workplace spells, and we'll talk about magic. We'll talk about being a witch. We'll talk about Hollywood Ghosts, which is uh, one of her series of books that she's been writing, and we'll talk about her program, Stirring the Cauldron, as well. Again, we'll also take your calls, 508-996-0500, We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. studios of AM 1420 WBSN into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz broadcasting live on Fate Radio. So you can watch the Spooky Studio video there. And we were saying during the break it's a good thing that we don't have smell-o-vision over the internet because whatever that usual scent we have uh, outside the building here is at an all-time worst. So it's uh, I blame Hurricane Earl. If uh, if it had to cause any kind of destruction, I guess that's uh, what little it did. That turned out to be a big dud, huh? We're like sitting around worrying, like, oh, what if we can't get to the studio? Well, well, how are we going to do this? We're going to do it from the house, and what if we don't have power and all that? And turns out it yeah, wasn't even windy. Nothing. Yeah. A lot of rain. That's about it. So welcome back to the program. As I said uh, earlier, we're going to be talking to Marla Brooks, and uh, we're going to talk about workplace magic and a number of other things. But uh, while the show is going on, if you want to check out her website, you can go to MarlaBrooks.com to find out more about her radio show, Stirring the Cauldron, as well as her books and just about her in general. I don't know where I put my notes. There we are. Now, Moni's last week when you when you weren't here, we, you know, we didn't. We were kind of taking things right down to the wire, and we kind of had to rush through things. It's nice that we will have a little bit longer time tonight. The Red Sox decided to wrap up things a little bit sooner, so we're going to go till about eleven o'clock, and then we have to take the network news break, and then we'll come back on the other side. But 
Joining us now is Marla Brooks. She's an author, radio show host, and a witch. Her show, Stirring the Cauldron on Para-X, brings a little bit of pagan to the paranormal world to help dispel the myths and misconceptions of witches and the craft. In her Ghosts of Hollywood series of books, she explores the famous haunts of Tinseltown, and she is also the author of Workplace Spells and the soon-to-be-released Animal Spells and Magic. Good evening, Marla. Thank you for joining us on the show. How are you? Hey, how are you? Oh, we are spooktacular, as we say here. That's the only way to be, right? Absolutely. I think we're copywriting that, too. So <laughs> explain to me a little bit about what it, is, what it means to be a witch in today's world. Um, it's a little bit safer being a witch in today's world than it was, you know, two, three hundred years ago. Oh, sure. um, burning, hanging, not such a good thing. But um, it's just, it depends. I mean, there's as many types of witches as there are um, people that are witches. Um, I kind of follow Wiccan to a sense, um, which is an earth-based religion. We're not a bunch of tree huggers, but, you know, we just respect the earth and, and everything on it, all the sentient things on, in, on the earth. And, um, you know, there are witches that practice the craft. They, they cast spells. There are others that don't. Um, I happen to be one that does. And it's, it's kind of like, it's not a hobby. It's, who we are, mm-hmm. you know, some witches are made, some witches are born um, into it, and um, it's just, you know, people all think, you know, we ride brooms and cackle around a cauldron and um, do all kinds of weird things like shape-shifting and everything, but, you know, after all, we're just human. Well, the question isn't whether or not you do all those things, it's can you do all those things? Could you if you wanted to? Yeah, well, riding the broom, probably not. It would be like the hobby horse thing. I don't think I could get off the ground, but... Uh, Absolutely. Everybody casts spells every day, whether they know it or not. And we just kind of focus it a little bit better um, and know how to do it a little bit better. But, you know, when you pray, when you wish, when you curse somebody out, that's casting a spell because all a spell is is intention Mm -hmm. and getting it out there um, into the ethers. Now, one thing that a lot of people might not realize is that there's actually a difference between magic, like when we're talking about you know, Penn and Teller and all the different mm-hmm. magicians we see on TV, and magic with a K, which is what you practice. Uh, right. What, what is the difference between the two? Other than the fact that Aleister Crowley was the one that put the K on the end of magic <laughs> to differentiate the two. Um, we're not all about hocus-pocus and, and trickery to the eye. I mean, um, when we cast spells and and do our magic, um, it has to do with calling in deities, it has to do with um, certain tools that we use, herbs, crystals, candles, any kind of thing like that. Um, so it's a little bit different. Um, you know, when they do magic with a seed, they're out to um, bamboozle you. We're not. We're doing the real deal. And also, I mean, when you're doing the, the type of magic that you practice, as you said before, you know, it does have to have that intent behind it. And it doesn't always have to be targeted as, as people think it is. I mean, you can kind of just, you could cast spells that are just for the general good of people, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, you know, and, and the other misconception is every spell we cast is to do something bad to somebody, you know, get revenge or whatever. And in my way of thinking, we could have leave the revenge to karma. You know, she jumps in and does a good job of it herself. I mean, his, I mean, I'm sure that you've gone back and, and analyzed the history of of magic and witchcraft and everything over the years, and we know that it's really just all the negative associations that we have today are just stigmas that were placed on it by 
mainly the Catholic Church, trying to downplay uh, any kind of pagan religion. Exactly, because paganism was a lo- around a long time before they were, but, um, you know, when they came years. in, yeah, um, they, you know, I mean, honestly, they're the ones that gave everybody the concept of the devil, you know, I mean, there was no such thing as Lucifer in the pagan religion, um, you know, but they kind of did that to scare people into following their path, and I don't have anything against organized religion, so don't get me wrong, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Christianity really gave pagans a bad name. So now, as, as being a, a practitioner of magic, how do you go about your day when you wake up? Are there certain rituals that you take part in to, to help kind of amp up your magic heading into the day? Is there, is there a tuning down that you have to do at night before you go to bed? No, not really. Um, you know, there's kind of a, a spirituality that's with us all the time. Like, like, you know, everybody has that certain thing, and some people do rituals and don't. Others don't. Um I I got, I got to find a better term for this, but I like call myself the way, the lazy witch. You know, when I do spells and stuff, I don't do the um, the major rituals all the time. You know, when there's implements needed, there are easy things that you can get anywhere. You know, I mean, don't send people out looking for you know ravens' tongues and bats' wings and things like that. So you would call yourself <laughs> the practical or pragmatic witch. Uh, depends on the day, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, we deal with, with the, the question is always with psychics. Uh, if they're so psychic, why don't they predict the lottery and benefit themselves? And they always say that when you do things in that way, you know, it doesn't always work out and it's kind of putting the wrong signals out there and, and it doesn't really work out that way. With, right. with, with witchcraft and, and magic, can you actually do things to benefit yourself in a financial way or, you know, because we, we've heard in the past about how, you know, the the witch that lived in the woods, she never wanted for money, you know, all these things. Is there a way that you can make benefit for yourself that way besides just creating good karma for yourself? Well, I think you kind of do. I mean, there are certain spells. There are a lot of, like, money spells for people that um, need an extra dollar or two here and there. There are spells for health. There are spells for well-being. There's all kinds of spells. Um, I think, you know, with that... The main thing to stay away from is greed in anything, and they will probably work for you. You know, um, greed will kick you in the butt every time. So, you know, if I needed, let's say I need an extra $10, and I do a money spell and ask for a 1000 that probably won't happen. You know, I won't get the 10 um, It's kind of like the law of three. What you put out, you get back three times good or three times bad. Mm-hmm. And greed is bad, basically. Um so we just kind of, you know, yeah, we can do things to generally benefit. Um, you can ask for specific things, but, I mean, it, it's like prayer again. Um, you know, you can ask, and if you're supposed to have it at a specific time, it'll come to you. If not, you know, you're kind of SOL. And that's, uh, I mean, that's unfortunately the way it is because people say there's no money to be made in the paranormal, and unfortunately they're right. <laughs> Even if you try to make it through paranormal means. But, uh, you know, here, you know, we believe that there's, um, if you put out enough good stuff, good stuff will come back to you. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I think that if you're a practitioner of magic and you do plenty of good things, then you'll be rewarded for it in your own way. Yeah, I, th- I believe that too. That's, that's a good way of putting it. All right. Well, we are coming up on the news break. When we come back on the other side, we want to get into the idea of workplace spells because I have some people that I'd like to put a spell on at work, <laughs> maybe to make them less stupid. 
and uh, <laughs> more more uh, willing to listen to what I'm telling them. And uh, uh-huh. then I suppose somebody would probably want to put a spell on me, too, to make me a little bit nicer to work with. So we'll get into all that and more coming up in the second hour. Uh, meanwhile, well, during the news break, if you need to kill a few minutes' time, why not jump on to SpookySouthCoast.com and read some of the brand-new articles that we have up there, some amazing stuff uh, already posted up there, a new article about a UFO sighting in Lynn, uh, plenty of uh, other discussions up there, and it always changes. So you always want to check out SpookySouthCoast.com each and every day. We'll be right back with more after the news here on Spooky South Coast. You got it. And this is Spooky South Coast, Volume 2. All right, welcome back. Uh, normally we would say Hour 2 of Spooky South Coast, but uh, we have an abbreviated show tonight because of the Red Sox. And uh, the good news is, uh, if you're especially if you're not a Red Sox fan, the good news is that uh, pretty soon we'll have the airwaves back to ourselves because... It looks like they're falling out of contention here, and there's no chance of the Red Sox making the playoffs, which means that uh, after the next few weeks, we'll be back on at our regular time all throughout the Halloween season. I can tell you that next week we're going to take the night off because there's a, I think it's like an 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock game, and we could come on earlier, um, but things are just kind of hectic that early in the evening. So we're going to take next week off, but we'll be back the following week with another great show, and then uh, we'll be back on, I think, the week after that is an early Red Sox game, and then they still haven't announced what's going to happen on October 2nd. But uh, then after that, we'll be good. It'll be all all spooky South Coast all the time for you on Saturday nights. And you can always keep up with us on Fate Radio as well, fatemag.com slash fate radio, where you can see in the spooky studio. And, of course, uh, when you do look into the spooky studio, you're just going to see that we're a couple of funny-looking guys on the camera there. And we keep we keep the really good-looking guy out to the side. Because uh, basically we're self-conscious. So, uh, oh wait, I think he's gonna try to get into the camera shot here. Go, go ahead. <laughs> you know, you want to do it. Move it over there a little bit. There you go. You're gorgeous. All right. <laughs> let's get, let's get back into the discussion with our guest tonight, Marla Brooks. We're talking about workplace magic in honor of Labor Day, and that's the title of her book. And I know here at WBSM, Marla, we would never want to cast any negative spells on any of our coworkers here because they're all great people. Uh, but <laughs> at our day job, especially myself and Matt Costa, at our day job, we would love to cast some spells on some people. And uh, it, does it work if you want, like, harm to come to them or, you know, maybe for them to be stricken mute, at least for the uh, eight hours a day they're there? Well, um, yeah, it it works. Um, I just kind of do the spells that have the same effect and say say them nicer. Um, you know, like you want to mute somebody, I've got an anti-gossip spell, for example. Okay. Um, you know, instead of, okay, it's a shut the heck up spell, no. Um, I mean, they don't have just, to be completely silent. I just don't want to be able to hear the sound of their voice. 
Oh, well, then I think you kind of need to mute your ears, Phil. Either that or you know, a couple of big fat wads of cotton. <laughs> These they'll get through cotton, believe me. They get through an iPod. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of crazy. No, but I mean, a, a lot of people have trouble with with uh, harmony and and balance in the workplace with their coworkers. Uh, and I, at what point do you go when do you look for answers in magic instead of looking for answers within yourself and, and you know, at what point do you reach the point where, okay, I've tried everything I can do. I've tried to get along with them as best I can. Now it's gone beyond me. Is that when they should turn to magic? Should they start with themselves first? Well, I think it's always good to try and handle things on your own first. But, you know, lots of times we ourselves, we have doubts um, about what we're doing and stuff. Um, you know, the, the spells in the book, I mean, they cover a whole lot of things. I mean, they talk, I've got a spell for confidence or making decisions or, you know, if you're somebody that talks on the phone all the time, difficult people you're talking on the phone with, um, and cleansing your work environment. I mean, there's just all kinds of things in here that can help you whether you can do anything on the regular level or not. You know, they're just kind of good to have because they're just like little boosts, little bolsters kind of thing. Well, what I like about the idea is that by looking into the idea of having a spell for it, then you're paying attention to the fact that there is an issue there somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. So many people run around in denial all the time and ignore, and nothing gets solved that way. Are these um, are these spells that you've kind of concocted on your own, or have they come from you know an amalgamation of other spells? Or no, they're all mine. Um, it, it's best if you can do a spell that you create by yourself, mm-hmm. um, unless you know the attention of the person that is creating. The spell that puts it out there. I mean, I've I've looked on the internet and I've seen people's spells and I've seen their websites and I don't think I'd even attempt any of those because you just don't know what's behind them, you know. And magic is really kind of a difficult thing because what people don't understand is when you put something out there, you're not just affecting a particular situation or a particular person. You're putting it out there and, and there's fallout, you know, to people around. So you have to be very careful on how you word your spells and, and make sure that, you know, it doesn't bounce off to anybody else or bounce back to you for that matter. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't suggest, you know, going to a website that says, hey, we've got spells for such and such. Um, and there is also a chapter in this book on how to create your own spells. Well, I mean, how do you go about doing that? Is Do you need to be a, a somewhat regular practitioner and studier of magic in order to create a spell? In order to create one properly, um, I would say so. But, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, if you're cursing at somebody, you just cast a spell. You know, it just mm-hmm. wasn't a very smart one to do. But, um, you know, some people choose to use tools. Some people don't. I mean, there's there's a thing that we need to do initially is you need to ground yourself, and then you need to raise some energy, and you can do that in a number of ways. Um one of the simplest ways is, you know, like when you're a kid and you rubbed your hands together really, really hard, really, really fast till they got hot, and then you kind of pulled them apart, and then when you try to put them back together, you feel kind of something bouncing off, you know, it separates them. One of those really cool things, well, that's raising energy. Um, some people drum, some people chant, some people do that, but, you know, grounding yourself, whether you're a witch or a paranormal investigator or, or a psychic, I mean, that's number one. You know, you have to just kind of do a cleansing and a grounding and, you know, make your, your area safe. And then um, raise the energy, focus the energy, um, 
say what you're going to say, you know, whether it's an incantation like I write in the books or your own words, and then just send it out there. So anybody can do it. I mean, it's not difficult. Some people use a wand um, for focus or, or another tool for focus. Um, after a while, you know, you, we don't kind of need all those tools, although they're fun to use sometimes. So anybody can do it. It's just a matter of degree and just a little bit of knowledge, and, and particularly in the area of you don't want to do something that's going to get you in trouble, that's not going to bounce back, have the boomerang effect, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, naturally, we want everybody to go to MarlaBrooks.com and to Amazon.com or wherever else you can find the book in order to purchase it. Uh, but, and that's the, you know, the, the way that they can find out more about how to actually best uh, utilize these spells. But just as an example, one of the problems mm-hmm. that I have, and it's, I'm sure it surprises the spooky South Coast audience because I usually can remain so calm here on the air, but one of the problems I have at my day job is uh, anger. I get very uh-huh. frustrated, and my response to stress always seems to be, uh, anger and 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 just uh, Matt Costa can tell you uh, my mouth just doesn't stop. <laughs> Not only that, I was there yesterday and I watched him physically um, get rough with uh, an inanimate object in, in, in his day job. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Basically tossing, throwing yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, what... they went flying across the room and it wasn't witch powered, right? No, no, no it was uh, <laughs> completely anger powered. So. <laughs> What is what is something I could do for myself to try and keep myself? Because I've tried. I mean, I've gone to anger management. I've tried all kinds of things, and it just seems like I can control it maybe for a little while. But as soon as those stressors are there, bang, I just get angry again. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the spells I have in a book in the book is an anti-anxiety spell, and um, you know, anger is is anxiety. Basically, one goes into the other. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is simple, and you're going to say, well, it sounds like it's a girly spell, but it's really not. But, you know, I mean, you need two things. You need some um, a vanilla-scented candle, and you need a small silver bell. <laughs> and, yeah, we've um, got the silver bell covered as part of my yeah. job. It's there. I was just thinking. Oh, that. there you go. And, um, you know, a, a vanilla-scented candle, because vanilla is a very calming scent. And, um, you know, you vanilla just... your job, too. I do. Uh-huh. I do. I have an, there's vanilla there too. I'm, I'm I cook in the morning, so I have. Okay, that. you're covered then. Yeah. And you, you've got a bell and a candle, and all you need to do, I mean, just you know, b- before you go to bed at night for the following day, just well, take the candle home with you and the bell. Um, you know, light the candle, and if you don't have um, a vanilla candle, you can use a white candle because that's a very calming candle, and just use some either vanilla oil or vanilla extract will work. You know, and anoint the candle with it. Um, you need to take a deep cleansing breath. You ring the bell three times, and then there's an incantation that goes with it. And, um, it's not pick it. up your order? <laughs> yeah, not that one. No, that, that would be when you get there. But, I mean, the incantation I, I did, and you could certainly do your own, but it's, um, and we always do this in rhyme, you know, so if you watch Bewitched, you're used to that. Um, but it's sweet smell, silver bell. I ask that you do my bidding. Tension, worry, stress, and fear, now's the time for ridding. Common prosperity, replace anxiety, these things I ask of thee, so mote it be. And then you take three more deep cleansing breaths, you ring the bell three more times, blow out the candle, rub the smoke in the palms of your hands, and then open your hands, palms up to the sky, and release your intentions. And that should hold you. The thing about spells is if you believe they'll work, they will. If there's any doubt... 
might as well not even bother to do it. And I'm willing to try anything at this point. Uh, Low Battery Dave in the chat room at SpookySouthCoast.com, he has a good suggestion. He says, uh, number one, light the candle. Number two, get the wax good and hot. Number three, throw hot wax in the face of the person pissing you off. So that I, would work, but I, I would I would look out for the fallout on that one. I was going to say, I think, the, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, might get me into a little bit more trouble, but it would be a lot more fun anyway. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, like, when you are having trouble... Uh, interacting with coworkers, and a lot of times it's uh you know sometimes it's just people are put together in an environment where they're conflicting personalities right and is is there a way through spells that you can actually make it so that people can uh be a little bit more in tune with your vibrations um just going by human nature i'm not sure that's totally possible but you can do spells to um put some harmony in the place, you know, so everybody kind of gets calm. There's a, a sachet harmony powder that you can make. Um, you know, you just go ahead and toss it together. There's a recipe in the book, and then sneak into work just a little bit early before anybody else gets there and sprinkle it around, and that, that works. You just can't change people, I mean, through witchcraft or, you know, every day. I mean, we're all working sometimes with people that, we just shouldn't be confined in the same area with. Well, but. And sometimes we're in the wrong career. I mean, can you use magic to help you decide what career is best for you? Um, I, I, you can use magic, but meditation, I think, is, you know, talking to your spirit guides is probably a better and easier way to do it. Um, you know, there's, I, sure, anybody can concoct a spell for anything. You know, say, okay, I'm going to do a spell to... You know, find me the perfect job or, you know, it's going to come up to me. But it's the same thing. I mean, talking to your guys and meditating, you get the same answers. Or working with a pendulum, you get the same answer. You know, I, I work a lot with my guides um, more than I do with magic because they're the ones that kind of guide us through the day. And they'll point us in the right direction and they're always there. It's just a lot of people don't know how to hear them or don't want to listen to them because sometimes, you know, they tell us things that we don't want to hear. You know, and sometimes it's a matter of, you know, you have to go down the, the wrong path uh, in order for the right path to reveal itself, too. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we all have to take baby steps and we, you know, climb up the ladder and fall down for a bit and it eventually gets there. But I believe everything is a matter of timing. When things are supposed to happen, when things, when it's time for us to know things we're supposed to know, we will. Until then, we kind of struggle and flounder and, and learn. And that's what it's all about, learning. See, I think the best thing about uh, workplace spells is if you really want to have people kind of leave you alone at work and you really want to be able to get your way all the time, just bring the book with you and leave it on your <laughs> desk. And when people see it, they're just going to assume that they're not going to win, so they're just going to kind of cater to what you want to do anyway. I've heard stories about that happening. Yeah, it works really well because <laughs> there's that witch hat and the broom on the cover. You know, that that's kind of a dead giveaway. Is that something that uh, you've ever encountered in the workplace? Have you ever uh, brought up the idea that you practice witchcraft to anyone and have them say, oh, kind of give you that stink eye? Well, it's not something that we just walk up and, you know, introduce ourselves as being. Yeah, but I mean, um, it, might, it might come up in some conversations. with. Well, usually it comes up when my pentagram, um, I wear a pentagram all the time, and I usually try to keep it tucked into my shirt, but sometimes it falls out. And, that, you know, then it's like, okay, what's that? Oh, we know what that is. You know, and then you no, have to they go think they know what that is. Well, no. they do, exactly. Exactly. They go, oh, my God, she's the devil worshiper, you know. Uh, 
Um, and then you have to sit there and give them the, the two-minute pentagram explanation and know the point is not pointing down. And even if it was, that doesn't mean I'm a Satanist. You know, it, it, it gets crazy because people just don't understand. And that's the main reason that I got my show, Stirring the Cauldron, because I want people to have some indication of who we are and what we are, and, and we're not everything that they think we are. And, and because that's usually bad. Well, I, I personally wouldn't mind them thinking I was a, a devil worshiper because then they might stop asking questions altogether. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. You, you know, you mentioned your show, Stirring the Cauldron, and your idea is to bring uh, some of your beliefs and, and what you practice into the world of the paranormal. What do you see the role of witches in today's paranormal society? Well, I see that the door has opened up a lot more. You know, I mean, 20, 30 years ago, anybody that believed in the paranormal was looked at with a stink eye and, and thought they were crazy. Um, and now... And still are. Uh, and, yeah. And so, you know, and witches always jump, you know, two steps behind the paranormal people, you know. Um, so I think, I think it's opening up a little bit. There is a little bit more understanding as far as um, paranormal in general, and I'm not sure that I, well, yeah, I was going to say I'm not sure that I classify being a witch as being paranormal, but um, so many of us are also in the paranormal field doing investigations, and um, a lot of witches are psychics and everything, so um, I, I think it's better, but it's not great yet, because there's still so many misconceptions, and that's kind of what I'm out to straighten out. I mean, you know, I have some really interesting guests. Um, some of them might scare a few people. I've had, you know, Satanists on and voodoo people and all that. Um, but it's just, you know, we, we all need to understand the world around us so we can make a decision other than of ignorance and just something that we heard growing up. Sure. And I like the idea of if, if witches are more in tune with the natural world, I think that you know, a lot of what we deem paranormal falls under the realm of the natural world. We just don't understand it. So maybe you've kind of got the leg up on the regular yes, paranormal yes. investigator. Yeah, and see, I mean, here's the thing. Um, shamanism is very, very close to Wicca because, again, earth-based religion. Well, people revere shamans, you know, Native American shamans. They're not afraid of them. Mm -hmm. They don't think they're going to do all kinds of bad things. But, you know, if you know that the two are pretty closely intertwined, you know, that's one point for the witches, in a sense. Difference in name only. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, because many of the beliefs are exactly the same, even, you know, in spiritualism the same way. Um, <laughs> spiritualism and witchcraft have a great number of similarities. Some spiritualists won't want to talk about it or, or bring it up, but it's true. So I think, you know, the more information that gets out there, the better understanding people have. And I think that, uh, on, on a side note, I think witches are about due for their paranormal spotlight time. You know, we've been uh, focusing on vampires for the last few years. Now werewolves are getting their <laughs> sexy time. Yeah, werewolves are hot right now. So I think witches are, are next on the list. So, well, I'm, I'm trying to make a few inroads in that. And it may come, it may not come to pass. It's just, you know, witches have had a bad rap for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's hard to get people to change their mind about something you grew up believing. All right, well, why don't we take a break? When we come back, um, I'm going to read a little bit from this interesting story that I found on the Internet this week uh, about 
churches and different religions and how they look at uh, the idea of ghosts. And I want to talk to you a little bit about more about the, the Wiccan beliefs of, of what ghosts are when we come back. So we'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Stay tuned. And if you have any questions for Marla Brooks, you can join us in the chat room at SpookySouthCoast.com or you can also call in 508 996 500 one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, Silent Assassin Matt Costa, Science Advisor. Matt Moniz broadcasting on Fate Radio. Now, Silent Assassin Matt Costa. Normally, I mean, I don't complain about the cars. I love the cars. Yeah. But uh, you don't have any pilot? No pilot tonight? No, I don't. Okay. I don't have that time. Should have brought my iPod. I know. All right. And we are talking about magic with our guest, Marla Brooks. And I'm sure she's heard all the songs that mention magic in them. But, Marla, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, this this came across my my desk earlier today. Uh, It's from yesterday's uh, Deseret News and it talks about the way different religions view ghosts. And I'm just going to go through them real quick a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Christianity, they say that a ghost in the biblical sense can be the spirit of the dead, but they can also be devils, demons, or unclean spirits. The Catholic Church advises against conjuring up the dead because it may be demons or devils uh, trying to in- impersonate the spirit. Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they do not believe that uh, the dead have a consciousness, that uh, they're kind of in a great sleeping state, so that anybody who tries to talk to ghosts are talking most likely to demons or unclean spirits. Methodists, same thing. Lutherans, same thing. Starting to see a trend here. Seventh-day Adventists, same beliefs as the Jehovah's, that they really can't, uh, they're in a sleep state and they really can interact, so it's probably something negative that you're encountering. And the Mormons, finally, uh, they say that, uh, again, spirits that you're contacting are most likely negative entities trying to fool you. So... It just seems like all these organized religions that, uh, you know, probably a majority of the population subscribe to are advising against ghosts because you're probably interacting with something negative. In the Wiccan sense, what is their belief in ghosts? Well, um, I can't speak for everybody, but my belief is probably similar to many. Um, And there's a difference between ghosts and spirits, okay? Um, A ghost is a spirit that haunts. A spirit is just somebody that um, has gone to the other side. I mean, putting it that simply. Mm-hmm. And and that's my belief. Um, can you conjure up demons and entities and elementals? Well, sure you can. But I don't think that falls under the category of ghost. I mean, that, that comes along with, with a, different, a different category of, of creature, because a ghost isn't a creature. I mean, a ghost, a spirit, is just someone who's passed over to the other side, in my opinion. And, I mean, I find that, you know, since we started doing this show almost five years ago, and and since uh, I began writing about the topic, uh, my definition of a ghost can change depending on the situation of, of what, the, what the particular ghost is. And I would never limit myself in, in my beliefs, and it just sounds like, you know, as usual, these organized religions have an agenda behind them. And well, yeah. No. <laughs> Keep putting money in those buckets, folks. 
Well, <laughs> speaking on the on the idea of ghosts, uh, you've had a very popular series of books writing about ghosts of Hollywood. And uh, if any ghosts could be uh, ignored by a church, it's probably most of the spirits that are out there in Hollywood because uh, there's so many sordid tales associated with so many of the ghosts <laughs> out there. Uh, I mean, what's your, what's your favorite Hollywood ghost story? Oh, well, first let me say that I don't think our ghosts are any more um, scary than others or sordid than others. They're just more famous than others, and I guess that makes a big difference. It's more the sordidness of their life that is attributed to their ghosts. <laughs> yeah, and, and the fact that it, you know everybody knows all about it, you know, so they can't they can't tiptoe around it. And I think the other thing about spirits that are famous, not just here in Hollywood, but I mean any kind of uh, famous spirit is that a lot of that had to do with ego. And some get across to the other side, and they don't want to be forgotten. And so they'll do what they can. What they can. They'll haunt their you know, places that they were famous for being um, just to keep them in, in people's eyes, you know. I mean, just because you cross over doesn't mean that you don't all of a sudden have self-doubt. Oh, my God, I'm going to be forgotten. I did this, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I think any famous, there's a lot more famous ghosts around because they don't want to be forgotten. They want to, um, you know, let their presence be known in certain places that they were maybe famous for. I mean, I could just, as I'm telling you this, I'm seeing George Washington. I'm seeing a boat go across the Delaware, George standing in it, and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't haunt that spot um, just because that's a place he was known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Favorite ghost story, there are so many neat ones, and, and neat, that's a terrible thing to say because we're played on people's demises and stuff. Yeah, and most but, of them are kind of tragic ends, I'm sure. Well, not most of them. I mean, some people went, you know, quietly and happily and, and you know, forever after. But strangely enough, the majority of the spirits that we came across um, while doing the series of books were not famous people. Um, we came across one or two. We did some seances here and there, and, and some did come through. Um, and I know Richard Sennett, um, he, he's really good at, at talking to famous spirits, but we just got um, a lot of people that were kind of on the fringes of fame or the wannabes and stuff that were really angry that they didn't make it. Um, you know, or, or people that were just very proud of what they did. You know, they might have... Um, there was a bartender. We have a Japanese restaurant called Yamashiro up in the Hollywood Hills. And there was a bartender there who really loved his job, I mean, immensely. And he's still there. People see him walking across, you know, the bar all the time because he was just happy at what he did and, and wanted to be remembered for that, and, and he just goes about his business. So, you know, the Marilyn Monroe thing at the Roosevelt Hotel, yeah, I mean, I guess she's around there all the time. Um, the spirits of the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I mean, so many famous people are buried there, and um, they're seen all the time. And, and the neat, okay, this is the neat story. Um, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery is backed up against Paramount Pictures, the Paramount lot. Okay. And there's a wall that they share. And people have seen this, um, that they see the spirits going from the cemetery in the morning through the wall to the studio, like they're going to work. <laughs> That's a check-in at the guard desk? Uh, there are some of the guards. There's a couple of guard gates around Paramount that 
they do see spirits all the time. Um, supposedly Rudolph Valentino, for one, um, he's he's always like popping around the Lemon Grove Gate. They say um, that's one of the streets. Um, so yeah, I mean, so there's like this weird connection because a lot of the people that worked at Paramount are buried at Hollywood forever, and those that you know enjoy their jobs um, go to work, and that one. Soundstage that's right up against one of the mausoleums um, was the stage that Red Fox died on when he was doing that last show. I think it was called Royal Pains or something like that. Mm-hmm. And people on that soundstage hear him laughing at the shows that they're producing now. They say he still haunts that stage. Well, uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and and Red Fox was a, a spirit that I've heard numerous tales about. Uh, and I remember actually when we had uh, on the show we had Mark and Debbie Constantino, the right. EVP specialist, and they've actually recorded on a couple of occasions the the voice of Red Fox through EVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He seems to be fairly active. There's a lot of them that are known for traveling quite a bit and being very active around town, and you know. Um, People sometimes mistakenly think that spirits just kind of hang out next to their gravestones or something, or, you know, hang in the cemetery. But you know what? You can go anywhere you want, so why, you know, why not take advantage of it? Not only that, though, I think there's also some uh, credence in the idea that maybe if people go to a location all the time, they associate with somebody, and if enough people focus their energy and thought on it, it kind of draws that spirit to that spot and might even kind of hold them there a little bit. Right, or at least bring them, because, you know, I mean, the theory is that if you want somebody, you want to contact somebody, call them by name, and they'll hear you. Whether they can drop everything that they're doing on the other side to come back is another story. But, yeah, you know, bringing that energy in to contact people, and especially, as you said, large group of people at a particular place, it it could, I don't think it, personally, I don't think it holds them there. Um, but it sure brings them back. Well, almost like holds them there, like you know, when you're trying to get off the phone with somebody, and they just keep you keep, <laughs> keep you chewing your ear off, and it's like, all right, I want to yeah. get out of here. All right, I want to get mm-hmm. out of here until you can come mm-hmm. up with a good excuse. You're kind of stuck. Exactly. But, but uh, what I think is, I mean, uh, f- from all the stories I've heard and all the stories that are in your books, I mean, uh, Hollywood definitely sounds like it's it, it's completely haunted. With that in mind, if TMZ is thinking about starting maybe a paranormal division, you know, mm-hmm. I've I've got a, a I've got a a black light on my. I've got an infrared light on my camera. I'm, I'm got an aggressive EVP style. I think I'd make the perfect guy to go up and like kind of run into the face. You know, James Dean, James Dean, tell us what's it like on the other side. Come on, James, tell us. Give us something, James. <laughs> Maybe you ought to get in touch with Harvey Levin. That might not be a bad idea. Hey, you know, because he, as you know, the problem that we all have is getting into the mainstream. <laughs> you know, paranormal people, witches, whatever. We are still on cable. We yeah. are not in the mainstream, so maybe somebody needs to do something like that. Well, actually, uh, I mean, I have a story here in front of me from uh, Perez Hilton's blog talking about how DreamWorks is developing a, a television series based on the idea of paranormal activity, the, the movie Paranormal Activity, uh, in which they have found footage of four people who went missing in the Amazon, and all the strange things that happened to them are found on their film. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're creeping our way into the... Sounds into like another one from New Jersey. Well... The point. The point is, it's on the Perez Hilton blog, so yeah. it's 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 in there, the, there's credibility. Yeah, it's in the eye of the <laughs> yeah. Hollywood Hollywood uh, muckamucks. So, uh huh. Has there ever been uh, any of these Hollywood ghost stories uh, 
that you've found uh, in your investigation of them and your research of them that you found to kind of just be uh, a tourist trap idea, kind of just trying to bring people to a location? Yeah, um, and it kind of has a double-edged sword. Um, the Hollywood Wax Museum is a really big tourist track out here. Mm-hmm. And um, the buildings that that whole street on Hollywood Boulevard are, you know, turn of the century, 1920s, you know, that kind of thing, the turn of the last century. Um, and the we went there, and it really is a haunted location. We picked up some stuff, but... Um, in order to make it even more exciting, there's a big sign out from the Wax Museum saying it's haunted. And then there's a story, I think it ran in the Inquirer or something, but they said that one of their reporters, they sent them over to the Wax Museum to spend the night. And the guy was so scared that he was trying to claw his way out in the middle of the night and he couldn't get there, and it was just this really horrible story. So the Inquirer, you know... And the Wax Museum, maybe at that time, were working hand-in-hand. Hand. And so now there's this big sign out in front of, you know, the, one of the biggest tourist traps in Hollywood, you know, that it is haunted in there. But, you know, the laugh is on them. It really is, but not by who they think. Ah, see, the story I heard about the hauntings at the Wax Museum was uh, that they went in there one night, and uh, the, the wax statue of Cher, on, uh, I guess they had, like, bright lights going on, and the wax statue of Cher started melting. And then it, then it started screaming, and they freaked out, but they didn't realize it was actually just the real share. Uh-huh. And she That'll just, do it. Yeah. That'll do it. Okay. That's <laughs> my lame joke for this evening. All right. Well, we did get an interesting question in the chat room that I want to ask you about. And uh, if you want to join in with any questions, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. And, of course, you can also go in the chat room at SpookySouthCoast.com or email us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com as well. That'll work. And the question uh, that came up in there was whether or not if you have uh, a place that has a haunting attached to it, supposedly it has a high amount of energy. And if that place has a high amount of energy, does that make it a good place to go and cast spells? That's a different kind of energy. Um, That one's kind of hard to explain, but, you know, just because... I, I really don't believe, and I could be altogether wrong, but again, my belief that going somewhere that has a high EMF field um, isn't going to help cast a spell because that energy is not energy that you create and focus. That's energy that's already there. Okay, and it's is it harder to is it harder to focus energy that's there? It's harder to kind of control it. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we can't control it we can only control what we raise because i I mean i've seen i've been involved with investigations even where they bring in some sort of energy generator something that they're kind of you know little van de graaff machines or whatever they have that kind of creates this energy into the air and Mm -hmm. it it seems it's kind of hit or miss sometimes it might seem like it's increasing the paranormal activity there and it's feeding Mm -hmm. it and other times it's you know nothing still happens yeah, well, I mean, it, it will increase paranormal activity. Is casting a spell paranormal activity? Well, in the classic sense of the word paranormal, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't try to harness anybody else's energy or any ambient energy because I can only control what I raise. What are what are some of the, uh, you know, your show is called Stirring the Cauldron, evoking the idea of witches putting, you know, the various ingredients to cast spells into a cauldron. <laughs> 
Yeah. Are, are there things that you use, you know, certain minerals and, and certain, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. herbs and things that you use in the, in the casting of spells? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, um, a cauldron could be anything from a real cauldron to a mortar and pestle. You know, it's a vessel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we grind up herbs and, and mix, you know, different things to, to create sometimes sachets or potpourris or just powders, you know, like the Harmony powder I mentioned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just depends how deep into this and if this is something that you do. I mean, I'm sure that um, people cook things in cauldrons other than, you know, something for dinner. I, I just kind of use mine to um, mix herbs and stuff together. But, yeah. It's amazing when, when uh, you, you know, you walk into one of these metaphysical shops or one of these all-natural stores and you ask for some of these things. Like I had a, I had a hell of a time trying to get some mugwort uh, because uh-huh. I'd found out that it would actually help with lucid dreaming. And when you go right. in and you ask them what, you know, they ask you what you're looking for it for and you explain to them, they, they look at you funny and they say, well, that stuff doesn't work. Well, how does the idea of you telling me that I can put it into a into a mortar and pestle and, and grind it all up and put it as a paste on myself to heal something, how does that differ from somebody who's going to do the same thing and apply it as part of a spell? It's pretty much the same thing. And that's the other thing I've got in my book. I've got a chapter on herbs. I've got a chapter on um, gemstones and oil, essential oils and everything colors, all the stuff that you need to know. When you do specific spells, you want specific colors for the candles you burn if you're doing a candle spell. Um, if you're making some kind of um, powder or something, you know, there's certain things that, certain herbs that blend together to make that. I've got a couple of recipes in the book for, for some different powders, but basically these chapters tell you what to use and how to use it and what it's for. So it's a great kind of beginner's primer in that sense. Uh, what about the idea of charms and, and attaching the idea of luck or good luck or bad luck or any of those sort of things to, to inanimate objects? Is that is that something that you're able to do? It's kind of like, um, yeah, I mean, if you, I have a whole chapter on amulets as well. If you believe in a certain thing, it will work for you. It may not work for the guy next door. Um, so, yeah, I mean... People that walk around um, with a frog necklace, for example, you know, um, there's all kinds of different variations on on what you do, or an elephant, or a, an eagle, or something, you know. If, if you, it's almost like that eagle tattoo that people get, or the dragon tattoo. And I heard um, that people should not be wearing dragon tattoos unless they are very, very strong because it'll turn on you, because the dragon is a strong creature. So in Chinese belief, do not put a dragon on yourself unless you can live up to it kind of thing. Mm. <clears throat> but, you know, belief in an amulet, like people would believe in a St. Christopher medal to keep them safe, or even in paganism, people that wear a pentagram. You know, you have to believe that it works. I wear a Solomon seal, which, um, in addition to the pentagram, because the Solomon seal, I believe, helps keep out negative spirits and entities. I believe it works, and it will work for me. You know, I might give you one, and you go, psh, yeah, you know, and it won't work for you. So whatever whatever you um, believe in is what you hang on to, and, and it will work. 
Well, I, uh, when my grandfather passed away, he had a keychain that he always had on his keys of, uh, you know, the praying hands with uh, the prayer on the back. And I'm not, I'm not a religious right. person, but when he passed away, I was given that. And I put it on my key ring, and my, the, my thought behind it was if I have this, I'll always be safe and I'll never get into a car accident. And ever uh-huh. since I put it in there, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had a car accident yet. Right. So uh, if you attach that onto it, then I guess, you know, you're, you're, maybe you'd be a better driver. You know, knowing that it's on there, but mm-hmm. maybe it is just the idea of the the luck that's protecting you. And some people would think that your grandfather came along with it, in a sense, mm-hmm. and he's there around you to protect you. Well, he must be, uh, you know, he must be enlightened now that he's on the other side. If that's the case, because he he right. was a horrible driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I took it, because he he always had such great luck. What he would do is he would drive through the center of the town where he lived, where there was like, you know, a, a, a point where like five or six different roads all converged into one crazy intersection with, with not enough uh, lights and stop signs to contain everybody. And when he drove through that, he would just close his eyes oh. and always emerge okay <laughs> on the other side. So when, wow. when they gave it to me, I was like, well, this has got to be good luck, because he no never kidding. had any problems. Yeah, wow. It was blessed when you got it. <laughs> so, but, I mean, that is the idea of, of magic, though, is to be able to improve yourself and, and be able to improve your life experience, right? It's not just about, you know, can I harm somebody? Can I make money for myself? It's, it's about improving yourself right. as a person. Yes, of course. We're all on a learning path, and we all need to learn and grow. And um, we all do it in various ways, you know. Some people use organized religion. Some people... Um, you know, use pagan religions. Um, it, it's just a belief system that you have and a spirituality that you have to walk the path on and trust in your guides um, to take you on the right path and trust in yourself as well. And, and someone in the chat room asked if I had had accidents before, and mm-hmm. I, to that I just have to start crying and thinking about my first Trans Am. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> oh, those things crumple like paper when they hit a tree. <laughs> All right, well, when... when uh, the new book is actually getting ready to come out, right? Animal Spells and Magic? Yeah. It should be out right around Halloween, which is pretty apropos, I'd say. I'd say so, too. And what, what are some of the ideas uh, behind that? I mean, uh, I know that, uh, you know, my, my cat is, I have a black cat. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's always the associations with witches with black cats. But uh, my cat is afraid of its own shadow. So I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. it could ever be anybody's familiar. Oh, well, familiars are special breeds, and they're not always cats. But um, this book is really good. I mean, it's basically a great book for anybody um, who's an animal lover. And there are, like, 25 spells in there, you know, helping find a lost pet, welcoming a new pet into your home, all kinds of stuff, Um, picking a new pet according to their astrological sign, which is very, very cool. But I also have some really terrific contributors in the book, Um, Reverend Tim Schott, does a chapter on Reiki and healing your pets, which is great. Um, got Willie Windwalker Gibson talking about animal totems, Dinah Roseberry talking about animal communications. So a lot of really good stuff in there um, in addition to just the spells. But it is a great deal of working magic with your, with your pets because, you know, there are kids and they're in many, many cases a lot more psychic than the rest of us, you know. Well, it brings me back to my original question of the same question I had about my fellow co-workers I have about my cat. Is there a spell that will make him not so stupid? Uh, 
uh, you know, <laughs> stupid is born that way. Um, <laughs> I mean, the poor know, guy. He really is. Not, uh, well, I have a little cat pipsqueak, and I'm not going to call her stupid, but um, she's not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but she's very sweet. And, you know, in her next life, she'll be smarter, just like humans, you know. Um, new souls, young souls are just not quite as savvy as the older souls, so... As long as they're lovable, that's all you can do. For as angry as uh, my family gets with him for the hairballs and the scratching of furniture, when he's just laying in the in the windowsill enjoying the sunlight, dozing off, and he all of a sudden just falls out of the windshield uh, out of the windowsill and hits <laughs> and hits the ground like on his back, we're just uh-huh. why are you're supposed to be a graceful creature that always lands on his feet? What is wrong with you? Uh huh. There's one in every bunch, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, we would definitely like to talk to you about animals in the future uh, and one question that uh, i did want to ask before we left this this comes from the chat room as well they want to know if you can actually anger one of your guides and get it to the point where they step away for a while or are they always with you i think they're always with us i think sometimes they look the other way even, I mean, if, you, I, even I, if you ignore them and you don't listen to, to what they're trying to tell you they will back away but that but you know, it's it's kind of like they don't hold grudges. Mm-hmm. Um, if they think that you don't want them around, they'll they'll step back. But the minute that you do, they will be there unconditionally. So, um, you know, I personally wouldn't do anything to piss off a guide. Um, it's probably not a good thing. But um, I think I think you know, they understand that we're only human, and they can look the other way but they will come back and, and maybe sometimes if they're not if they're not there for you if if you're trying to communicate with them and you're just not getting an answer maybe it's because they want you to learn that part for yourself it's partly that and sometimes we put up our own walls you know we block ourselves inadvertently sometimes and it's just a, men- uh, a question of kind of getting back and and getting your head around it again and realize that you put it up for whatever reason so it, it does work both ways Excellent. Well, I will try not to, whoever's watching over me, you know, I'll try not to, to make them angry. And I'll try not to use any of these spells and workplace magic to, you know, control and and take <laughs> over my coworkers. But I can't make any promises. No, yeah, well, I, I, you know, once you get the book and once you do the spell, it's on you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you completely wash your hands of it from that point on. So There you go. Yep, I, I teach you, teach you how to do it right. If you don't do it right, it's on you. Well, I'd like to see him definitely learn the spells, because otherwise he's going for voodoo dolls. Uh-oh. <laughs> that might well, be the next step. Well, we have poppets, which are similar to voodoo dolls, so yeah, you know. Sometimes I'm back there making them out of uh, corn on the cob husks and you know, whatever else I can find. It's fun to like dump ketchup all over them and stab them. <laughs> Very Americana, huh? <laughs> before, all right, before I go crazy and start destroying the entire spooky South Coast studio, we say thank you, Marla, for joining us uh, to celebrate this Labor Day, and uh, and hopefully we can get you. I'd love to get some you to contribute some stuff to SpookySouthCoast.com somewhere along the line too, if you could. Sure, no problem. Excellent. All right, well, thank you, Marla Brooks is her name. Her website is MarlaBrooks.com, and you can pick up her books. Workplace Spells, the soon-to-be-released Animal Spells and Magic and the Ghosts of Hollywood series. And uh, always tune into her show as well, Stirring the Cauldron, which you can find on the Parax Radio Network. So uh, until two weeks from now, because we won't be on the air next week, uh, I want to say for Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, and for Chris Balzano, we want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener. 
that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to.